Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More fallout from this story that Hunter Biden has basically been working as a spy for the Chinese Communist government. Had a mole at the FBI who is tipping him off as an informant of the Chinese government of any investigations into his Chinese business partners. Now, this obviously should be wall to wall coverage from the media. It is not. Why? Because why would you want to bring this up if you're the media, right? This just makes the president look bad. It makes the son look really bad, like he's an actual spy for China. I was being paid to do this. This is what spying is. They were making millions off of this. Just understand that. Millions of dollars were coming into the bank accounts of the Biden crime family. And there was something that China needed in return for this. Intel. When you have a spy who is giving you that intel, okay, then this is what you get. You get the intel when you're being investigated, when they're looking at you. It's called a warning. Hey, they're about to nail you. Get out of America, right? Flee the country. Run away. Miranda Devine, who wrote the book Laptop from Hell, went on Tucker Carlson's show. She's the first one to break this reporting Here's a little bit more about this mole and this Chinese financial arrangement for Hunter Biden to spy on the U.S. government on behalf of China. Listen, we don't know. Miranda Devine is on this story as it develops. She joins us tonight. Um, so those are the outlines. I'm, and I apologize, apologize if I've misstated them. But will you just kind of sum this up? This is an amazing story, it seems like. Look, Tucker, it's actually bizarre. I mean, it's a, another bizarre twist on an already bizarre story about the Biden family and the cast of characters involved in their influence peddling scheme around the world. And Dr. Gal Luft is the latest one. He is an Israeli energy expert, a professor. Um, he was arrested in Cyprus, as you said, and is still in a Cyprus jail. He's uh, charged uh, apparently with gun running and Farah violations and uh, various things. Things. And he uh, claims that he is innocent and that he's only been arrested to shut him up about what he knows about the Biden family business. 
And, you know, a lot of his story does check out. He is uh, regarded in uh, his orbit in Washington, D.C. as, uh, you know, he's well regarded. He's a, a legitimate energy expert. Um, he's a former high ranking officer in the Israeli Defense Force. Um, he has multiple degrees. And uh, he um, also talks about this FBI mole that he claims Hunter Biden used to tip off his Chinese partners that there was an FBI investigation into them. And there is some corroboration of that from the reporting that we've already done from the laptop. We know that Hunter Biden did have contacts within the FBI. Uh, we know that he used them to benefit um, at least one of his Chinese business partners, Patrick Ho. Um, and when Patrick Ho was arrested at JFK by the FBI, Hunter Biden then contacted um, his FBI contacts. And uh, we don't know what they did for him, but um, that sort of accords with this story that's coming uh, from Gal Luft. And Gal Luft worked for three years in Washington, D.C., with Hunter Biden's Chinese business partners. Uh, that checks out too. Uh, so he, when he says that those business partners told him about what the Bidens were up to, uh, the hundreds of thousands of dollars that he knew about that was going to Hunter and his uncle Jim Biden every month and their contact with this FBI mole, um, it, it does, uh, it just bolsters, I guess, the reporting we've done from the laptop. So quickly, this Luft guy, the Israeli energy expert, as he was being arrested, he tweeted and said, they're arresting me to yeah. shut me up. I have the facts about Hunter Biden. Um, he's a smart guy. His social media is still up. If you want to see it, it confirms he's a very smart person. Has he had anything else to say from his jail in Cyprus? Do we know? Look, through his lawyer, which is the only way I've been able to talk to him, um, he certainly has other allegations, but um, without documents or uh, other evidence to back it up, um, you know, it's difficult to report those. Um, he did get bail from the Cypriot courts uh, a couple of weeks ago, but that has been vigorously opposed by uh, US authorities. And uh, I'm told by Gal Luft's lawyer that the ambassador in Cyprus is putting a lot of pressure to keep him in jail. They want to extradite him to the US on these charges of gun running and so on, which really baffle the people in Washington who've known Gal Luff for a long time. And they yeah. say that's not really in his nature. Yeah, well, he doesn't have the profile of a gun runner. That might be worth a trip to Cyprus. I'll, no. I'll see them. Miranda Devine. I love how they've accused him, by the way, of being like this gun runner. The guy's like, nope, no, there's, that's not what I am. But when you have what he has on the Biden crime family, and then you can come out, thank goodness, and tweet it out right before you're, or while you're being arrested, and before they're trying to extradite you to the U.S., that's kind of an important moment. Thank goodness that moment actually happened, where this is what is being said. But this, if you're this guy, you would think that the entire media would be covering what you just said. Hey, I'm being accused of a horrible crime that could take away my life, put me in jail for a significant amount of my life for something that I never did, all because I have information that I tried to expose on the Biden crime family. And now they're accusing me of being a gun runner. And without him going to Twitter and being able to say this, like we wouldn't even know about this, which is also another part of the problem. He's now in this jail in Cyprus. 
That's also another part of the problem. So you put all this together and you sit here and you go, all right, so was Hunter Biden working for the Chinese? And let's just deal with facts, okay? So let's just back this up and go through the facts. Are we 100% for sure that Hunter Biden was making money off of the Chinese communist government? Yes. Are we 100% sure that Hunter Biden was not just making money for himself, but for at least four other Biden family members? The answer is yes. Are we 100% for sure that Biden had people in the government that were helping him protect his assets in China? Yes. Are we 100% sure that the FBI and the deep state tried to silence this story when one of his friends, former colleagues, business partners, Tony Bobulinski, actually sat down with the FBI and told them about the big guy and everything the Biden crime family was doing? Yes. Are we 100% sure that the FBI was clearly compromised and that they actually tried to get the investigation into Hunter Biden categorized, okay, as a misinformation ploy so that they wouldn't have to investigate the Biden family? The answer is yes. And are we 100% sure now that Hunter Biden has been protected by our federal government to protect Joe Biden by the deep state? The answer is yes. Is there anyone based on what we know from the laptop, that should be surprised by the fact that Hunter Biden was in essence hired to be a spy for the Chinese communist government and had moles within our deep state, the FBI, that were giving him heads up so he could tell his Chinese counterparts that they were under an investigation by the United States of America or they were being sur- you know, surveyed There was surveillance by the Chinese communist government. No, this actually makes complete sense to me. I'm not shocked by it. We should all be outraged by it, but I'm not shocked by it. This is par for the course. And why is it that the media is not answering or asking questions about this? Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. 
Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. I want to bring in a friend of mine, a guest, uh, who has got a lot to talk about when it comes to the media not covering this Hunter Biden story specifically. Uh, Stephen Krakauer, he is the author of a new book, uh, called Uncovered, and it is a phenomenal book that you should get your hands on. You can buy it wherever you buy your books. The reason why is, is it is a critique of the failure specifically of the media. And when I say the failure of the media, the failure to cover big stories. Perfect example of this is what we just talked about with the fact that it looks like basically Hunter Biden was a spy for the Chinese Communist government and making getting big payments from the Chinese Communist government and he had insiders who were giving him intel from the FBI, and the media virtually is silent on this outside of Fox, Newsmax, and conservative talk radio. Stephen, uh, welcome to the Ben Ferguson Show. It's so nice to have you with us. Uh, the timing of your book couldn't have been better, and the example is, this is a massive news story. You and I were talking about this be, be, during the break. It is huge that you have a president's son who apparently had uh, leakers or intel or spies, however you want to describe it, within the FBI that were giving him warnings and heads up so he could warn the Chinese when they were being uh, spied on by the U.S. government or if there were investigations open into them. Yeah, it's been, I mean, look, first of all, thank you for having me. I I appreciate it. Uh, I, I think that it is a massive story, and it's really it's something that is is it's glaring in how the, the corporate press is not covering it because let's be honest we we now know that the hunter biden playbook going forward as he is drip 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 the, the stories keep coming out about this the we're seeing more and more with the congressional investigations they're getting closer and closer to a truth that i think is going to really open a lot of eyes hunter biden is going to be fighting this you know talking about lawsuits wants to sue the repair shop owner now. I mean, it's completely absurd. But I think what's really key about why the corporate press is not covering this story and is not going to be covering the other stories that are going to be coming out as much as they really should if, if they had you know, any objectivity in covering it. What a juicy story this is about power and, and the coziness between our, our government officials, and our, our elites, and others in other countries like China and Ukraine. The reason is, frankly, as I lay out in the first chapter of Uncovered, how they covered the laptop originally. The, the Hunter Biden laptop story in October of 2020, the New York Post breaks this story, and I think it was truly one of the worst coverages that we've seen um, by the corporate press. Frankly, in the entire Trump era, because it actually signaled what was to come down the road. Because instead of just covering it incorrectly, uh, which clearly they did, they like they, you know pr- pretending that it was Russian disinformation and, tr- and when they covered it at all, we then saw the next step, which was the absolute collusion, the, the sort of elite censorship racket between tech platforms, the, the coziness that they had with, with intel agencies like the FBI and other government agencies like we know, now know now, thanks to the Twitter files, and the corporate media themselves to censor and suppress this content to make it unprecedented. The link could not be shared to the New York Post story. And there was not universal outrage in the media on behalf of their colleagues at the New York Post. Instead, it was the other direction. There were journalists who dared to share a link to the New York Post and say, oh, I wonder what the sourcing on this or is I wonder if the Biden campaign will respond. They were locked out of their account. And as I recount through Uncovered, they then apologized 
for daring to link to this story. It was an embarrassing moment. And then, frankly, Ben, that's exactly why I think we're not going to get the coverage now, because if we did, that would mean that the introspection it would take in how they covered it originally, how they covered that laptop and the contents of that laptop would be too embarrassing for them to look at because it was very clear that they were not serving their, par- their purpose of, of being objective journalists, of having principles. They didn't do that in the moment. And I think that if they cover it now, it only exposes what they did wrong in the first place. You mentioned one aspect of this story, and I want to get your take on another part of it. And that is, if you went back 10 years, 15 years, you've been working in media as long as I have. We both started in this industry very young. There was an obligation, even if you were a liberal journalist, to cover a story as massive as the president was in his essence was spying on behalf of the Chinese party who was paying him for this. That would have been covered. Are, is it fair to say that journalism as a whole is completely dead and now it is 100% propaganda, pick a side, and that's where we are now? And there's no change in sight because you also look at the Twitter files and it was clear that there were journalists that were taking orders from the Democratic Party, the DNC. They were taking orders from Hillary Clinton's campaign. They were taking orders on the Steele dossier. They were taking orders from Fusion GPS. uh, And they were taking orders to sell a lie to the American people. And if you really go back to, forget Donald Trump's name, I'm just talking about the actual impeachment. It It was a coup attempt. And the media was the ones that were selling and leading the coup attempt. I do think, look, Ben, I, I was at CNN I, I, not too long ago. I know a little bit before, before you were at, at that one point. But when I was there from 2010 to 2013, that was not that long ago. And there were valid criticisms of CNN at the time, for sure. I, I, and I, I recount some of those stories in Uncovered in Chapter 6, where I talk about my own experience there. But by and large, what I found was that, yes, journalists in that newsroom that I worked with likely leaned left. They likely voted for Democrats when they voted at all. But there was still the thought of we need to try to be objective. We, we, need, we are a rare occupation where we need to suppress our personal feelings on behalf of what our job description is, which is to, to give the truth no matter where it leads, serve the audience. That was still the goal. But what we saw in subsequent years, beginning, I think, in 2014, but certainly accelerating during the Trump era and thanks to Trump, is that the guardrails completely came off and no longer was it about objectivity at all. In fact, in the book, I have more than two dozen interviews. All of them are on the record. One of them, uh, which I was very, very transparent and very candid, was a former New York Times journalist who told me that there are people in the newsroom now, younger people, who believe that objectivity is akin to white supremacy. And when you have people like that, and those people can exert real power in, in through social media and through pressure campaigns, can get their bosses to take actions one way or another, those are the kinds of people that are controlling the newsrooms and controlling the direction of journalism. And so, yeah, I think that no longer there's even a, a, a goal of, of objectivity in a lot of these cases, and that's really concerning. Yeah, the, the fact that there doesn't even seem to be a goal here of objectivity Another example that you talk about, and it, one that I think is also very glaring here, is you go back to the controversy, uh, Steve, about, and, and again, grab your book. Uh, it, it's an incredible book right now that is out. You can get it wherever uh, you get your books uncovered. Uh, this book also talks about some of the bias and the fact that you had a United States senator, Tom Cotton, who wanted to write an op-ed that was not controversial for the New York Times. And the fallout from that moment 
remind people of just how insane the, the media, and I say the media because they're the ones that lost it in the newsroom at the New York Times went. Yeah, I, I mean, but I, I spend a lot of time covering this story uh, in Chapter 10 of Uncovered because I think it was, it was a, a really pivotal moment and explains so much of where journalism is today. Uh, so, yes, June of 2020, imagine this time, we're in the height of covid especially people in New York and D.C. newsrooms, like where so many of our cell media is based, like in the New York Times, they are locked down in their own apartments. They're spending way too much time on Twitter and watching cable news and not interacting with people. And then the Tom Cotton op-ed hits, which is basically an argument. It was titled Send in the Troops. It was an argument to get the military involved when there were riots, not in protests, not in peaceful protests, but in the riots that were happening as offshoots of these social justice protests after George Floyd. And first of all, as I explained, Tom Cotton, this was his third time writing an op-ed for the New York Times. He was, he was a regular writer there, but this one really took off. And it happened, I quote people that were in those New York Times meetings, the Zoom meetings, that people were crying. There was a, a description of a, of a writer who was crying because he said that his friends wouldn't talk to him anymore because he worked for the New York Times, which published this horrible op-ed. And then it spilled out publicly. And a bunch of journalists at the New York Times and activists got together and tweeted a phrase that was publishing this column puts the lives of black New York Times staffers in danger. And it was that implication that it was dangerous to publish this column that got action from their bosses. They fired the opinion editor, James Bennett, at the time. There was further fallout from it. And what it really shows is a couple things. First of all, they were able to see that even at the New York Times, the, the, the height of journalism in theory, they could get these 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 people could get really get action and get someone fired for for no reason at all. But also, it's a fundamental misunderstanding. These people that believe that publishing words is dangerous, they don't belong in journalism, and yet they are the norm now and not the exception. And and that's we've seen this play out in in story after story where in years later that there is this fundamental misunderstanding of what journalism is supposed to be. And these are the people in a lot of cases that are controlling these newsrooms. Stephen, I want to ask you about COVID. Uh, We forget just how insane the media went on the issue of COVID. We know that Dr. Fauci was sending emails to silence and censor different people that he didn't like. We know that Twitter from the Twitter files was getting emails directly from our government uh, on things and stories and to take down. You look at overall the COVID coverage and the manipulation. It is just completely shocking how the media worked as a propaganda machine, as a PR machine of Dr. Fauci and others around him who wanted to lock down and shut down and silence anyone that asks basic questions about the Wuhan Institute of Virology, about gain-of-function research. Uh, Anybody that was asking tough questions, they wanted them silenced. This included elected officials. Yeah, you know, Ben, I I spend a lot of time on COVID in my book because I actually think that this is a media story as much as it is about the medical establishment, about the Fauci's of the world. Because, you know, one of the people who Fauci specifically censored was Dr. Jay Bhattacharya. I speak to him on the record in the book about that it, it was not just that Fauci and the medical establishment censored him, but they worked in concert with places like the New York Times and other outlets to spin this narrative that they were quacks, that they were dangerous people, when really Jay, Jay Bhattacharya was a Stanford expert, you know, medical professor, and he understood that, and, and his plan, the Great Barrington Declaration, was simply about focused protection. 
instead of locking down the entire country, we need to you know, target the, the senior citizens and, and handle that in a different way and not so you know, one size fits all. That was all he was saying. And he was treated so poorly by the media because they were being spun by the Fauci's of the world. And, and I think it's such an important example because, frankly, Ben, I, I don't have a lot of hope for the corporate media getting better anytime soon. So what I try to do on Uncovered is arm the readers with the tools they need to sniff out when the press is lying or misleading them. And, and I think that the COVID lab leak theory, which you mentioned, is one a good example of this, because here you have a case from the very beginning at the at the bare minimum. There was evidence on both sides there. It could have been the lab leak. It could have been natural origin. But but what was interesting was one side was saying the other side was dangerous, that the lab leak theory was this dangerous piece of disinformation and racist. What does that tell us? And I quote Nate Silver of ABC in the book who says that when you have an argument, and this applies beyond just the lab leak theory, and there's evidence on both sides and there's experts on both sides, but only one side is concerned with policing the discourse, concerned with shutting the other side up, that's the side you need to be skeptical of, and that's the side that's usually wrong. And I think we see this in so many examples in the media and certainly did with COVID. It, when, when you see Fauci and, and also the way that he was working behind the scenes, there had to be a, a whole other level of comfort from him and others. that, And I would argue they didn't just learn this during COVID. They had been doing this and communicating behind the scenes where there's barely any difference between the media in D.C. and the elected yeah. officials in D.C. This wasn't their first time to, to, to basically send these backdoor messages on what to cover, what to not cover, what to silence. This was part of their game plan the entire time, and they've been doing it for years. They have. And I think one of the, the great, I have to say, benefits of Twitter, because I actually think Twitter is disastrous for the corporate media. Um, it's one of the five big problems and that I lay out and uncovered. But I think it's good for the public, because what it does is it, it pulls back the curtain. The veil is now off, now because the, the media, the corporate press, is one of the few occupations that treats Twitter like it's their diary. And yet it's all public. We can all see it. And for the first time, you can actually begin to understand how these narratives are built. You see the sausage and how it's made. You see even there might be good journalism being done, but then it's undermined by the people themselves who then spill their opinions on all sorts of topics on social media for the world to see. And I think it's a really valuable service. Look, 2% of adult Americans send out 90% of the tweets when it comes to news and politics. That is, it's so unrepresentative. Wow. It is just a bubble. But it is important because it's what the press uses to talk to each other. And now we can actually see it. We can actually see all of the propaganda being made as it's happening. Lastly, I want to ask you about TikTok. Uh, we've seen the CEO of TikTok uh, basically admit that China is spying on everyone that has this app on their phone. Half of Americans apparently have the TikTok app on their phone. Democrats are still out defending it, saying, well, this is no different than Facebook on your phone. That's actually not true at all. Why, why do you I mean, you look at this, even Jimmy Kimmel got this wrong on his show uh, and I played this earlier. Jimmy Kimmel was laughing about TikTok spying on you. And I was sitting there just scratching my head. I'm like, you don't get it. They realize that the that this, a social media app was the drug that they needed to get you addicted to. And the dopamine that you get from watching videos was what they needed, right? Was what, And they figured yeah. it out early on. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to masquerade a, a app, social media app, for spying purposes and it worked 
We also know that China has come out since the hearing saying we will not allow for TikTok to be sold to an American company. So if you don't think that Chinese communist government is running TikTok, you're an idiot. Uh, and, And you look at this and yet Democrats are still out there defending TikTok saying, oh, it's fine. Oh, people are overreacting. Oh, it's really not that big of a deal. Yeah, I, I think this is a this is a key example because, as you mentioned, it's not just Democrats, but also a Washington Post tech reporter who apparently is having lunch with the CEO of TikTok, and then on social media is essentially acting as their publicist, and yet he's treated like he's an objective reporter. What's happening here? Well, it really relates to one of the more nuanced biases that we see in the media that I write about in Uncovered. It's not just ideological; it's also a response mechanism. A lot of times. These the people that are ideologues. And again, this is not most of the country, even people on the left in most of the country in Texas, where I am and you are, the people are not ideological in that way. So but but in the corporate press, they are. And what happens is a story is being is bubbling up in right wing media. The story is bubbling up among Republicans in Congress and is an instant reaction. They just go the other way. The pendulum just goes the other way with, with, with an instinctual. It's not, they don't even think about it. And they treat the, the one side as if it's toxic and contaminated. And I, and I lay this out in so many examples in the book. And I think this is a very clear case of that here. If you step back and you really think about it, why is the left against this, this concept that TikTok is, is spying on us and that China's involved and, and we need to look out for our kids. This is just genuine, normal conversation. And, and it makes sense to any rational person. But as an instant reaction from the corporate press, from the Democrats in Congress, this is what we get. And it doesn't serve the audience because, of course, they, they want a nuanced discussion about it and they are not getting it. Yeah, they're definitely not getting it, as you said. The book, it's great. Uncovered. Get it wherever you get your books. Uh, Stephen Cracker, I appreciate you coming on. Congrats on writing this, and it's a lot of good intel in there. Grab a copy of it today, and we'll have you back again soon, brother. Hey, Ben, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Don't forget to share our podcast with your family and friends so more people can hear what we're exposing for you. Also, please write us a five-star review. It helps us reach a new audience, and we'll see you back here tomorrow. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.